Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. That seems way too loud. That old is it? it? Was that loud? loud? I like it. We're this is a party atmosphere, and we're here to party. (laughs) Look, my hair's on end. That's how excited I am to be here. Yeah. Ooh, did you finally get that haircut, Justin? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Going strong. I've watered it back and now, but look how long this is. Oh, okay. uh, I don't think watered it. Like it's yeah, long, like long I, hair. I recently I took a shower, which is uh, an antiquated way of starting your day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just tried that. For those listening, sorry. Uh, are we going to do this fucking list thing or what? Let's go. Uh, hey, you know what? First of all, Pete, I really appreciate your attitude. So thanks so much for coming by and doing the show. Uh, we- it's weird. This quarantine has made Pete somehow surlier than he was when he had to encounter other people. I'll tell you, today is Cinco de Mayo, and I was thinking what would be some fun bits for Cinco de Mayo, and I actually have a uh, bottle of promotional tequila from Silicon Valley. It's the Trace Comas. I was like, oh, it would be fun to do like a a drinking game where every time Pete says, fuck you, I take a shot, but I realized I'd be dead within five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Especially if I knew once I caught on. Yeah. If you finish the bottle, you become a character on Silicon Valley, though. Uh, Now, we're going to get into some less nonsense nonsense in a moment. We do have some great guests on the show today, uh, including we have the writer of The Lost Carnival, a Dick Grayson graphic novel, Michael Morrissey, and also Brett White, one of our favorites to have here on the show, is going to be doing a little bit of a throwback stack on his favorite X-Men run. So we're going to get to all that in a moment. Also, if you are on Crowdcast Please drop us a question and ask a question. Feel free to vote questions up. If there's something you'd rather hear first, we'll get to those later in the show. Also, over on YouTube, hello to everybody over there. Hey to Daniel Oliveris. Hey to Bandito740, Matthew Schofield, uh, and more people who are watching as well who haven't commented yet, you secret people. But, uh, you know, give it a little bit of a... Give it that thumbs up there while you're waiting, while we're going through other stuff. We always appreciate that over there. And I'm going to keep one eye on you guys, and we'll get to your questions as well so don't worry but first this show is free to watch for everybody mm. but it does cost us some money and there's some it's very free kind for us people. to watch on the inside we're looking out well we're yes, watching out no, that's true uh but a lot of amazing folks have been supporting us on patreon uh particularly in this time we can't tell you how much we appreciate that yeah, so we're gonna totally. read some of their names right now and if you want to support yeah. patreon.com slash comic book club let's kick it off and this is going to go very well, as it always does. Super smooth. Mastery of the English language. We all have it. <laughs> oh, boy. Aaron C. Hollis. Adam Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontana. Amanda Harris. Amy Gonzalez. Andrew Tillman. Benjamin Brown. Brad Macris. You pick up the pace. Clemens Luer. <laughs> uh, yep. Do you want me to do this one? Corbett yeah. Doodle. Take the yeah. next one. <laughs> Curtis LaRock. Deman Ryan. Dan Snow. Daniel Wooden, Wooden, <laughs> Danny, Danny, Danny Heck, Hack. 
Danny Ali, Dennis Scott, Dustin Remy, Eduardo Martinez, Aaron Dorian, Jeffrey Risher, Gerard DeVillier, Jason Williams, Jessica Ashcraft, Joe Crack, not George, Jonathan Jong, Joseph Kelly, Joshua W. Bronson, Justin. Nice. <laughs> Appropriate. Catherine Addison. Sumi New Haven. Casey New <laughs> Haven. Casey New Haven beat. <laughs> Kevin Grimes. Kevin Kleinrock. Kieran Broderick. Lee Brown. Lawar Thomas. Lucas Sink. Mark Carrillo. <laughs> Mark Kiefer. Mark Zeller. Megan Thigpen. <laughs> Michael Sturgeon. Mike D'Angiolio. Mark Dargenio. Of course. Donald. Nick Grayson. Omnia Soul Art. Perry Taliaferro. Pip Pete 2020. Primetime Polly G. Rahadian Sastrowardio. Sarah Schaefer. Tamelia Rush. Twelve Banch. Tina Ann. Victor Perez. W. Blaine. Wally D. Librarian. Will Buchanan. And Zika's viral comics. One 100%, 100% nailed it completely across the board. Thank you all so much for supporting us on Patreon. Everybody else, if you want to hear us mangle your names, patreon.com. Sorry. Slash. No, no, it's all good, Pete. It is it's all... the Pinot Grigio talking uh, in Pete's oh, situation. Boy. That's a large <laughs> glass of vino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We decided what you got open. there? What you got in the glass? It's a uh, white zin. White zin. <laughs> While we continue to talk about what we're drinking, we're going to invite our first guest into the stream and get him all set up here. I'm going to vamp for a moment. Well, hopefully his camera goes get set up and starts to work. But as mentioned earlier, he is the writer of a brand new graphic novel. I believe it's from the DC Inc side of things called the lost carnival of dick grayson novel ladies and gentlemen michael morsey hey hey hey, hey everything going? working you can hear us okay oh yeah everything's great <clears throat> everything's great yeah thanks for having me I'm, I'm thrilled to be here thank you guys yeah no problem thanks so much for coming on the show we appreciate yeah. it uh so lost carnival that's out today right today today's the day yeah oh, wow. as far as anybody's open well let's actually start with that i do want to talk about the book which is awesome and everybody should pick it up uh but what is it like releasing a comic book right now like a a graphic novel comic book whatever what is it like releasing a new book right now um let's start with the depressing thing yeah (laughs) this is um this is actually the third you know so um what month are we in april and may were supposed to be pretty uh, they were pretty important months for me professionally. I had um, a book with Axel Alonso's new company, uh, Archangel 8, uh, releasing oh, yeah. uh, in uh, early March. Uh, I was supposed to have a weekly series in April, uh, the Clone Wars Battle, to- Battle Tale series uh, in-, in April. Um, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And now uh, Nightwing uh, came out. It's a little bit better because Nightwing at least has the advantage of like, because they're not single issues, obviously you can get it on Amazon. You can get it uh, digitally still. You can get it in bookstores. Like there is some advantage. Like a, the other things were single issues. So once once Diamond stopped, 
that was it. You know, there wasn't any way to get those, not even digitally. So this one is a little bit better. It feels a little bit less tense, but otherwise, yeah, it's hard. It's hard because like you want to promote your book and put your all into it. And being delayed is one thing. I mean, we all know comics, shipping, anything can happen. Like books come out, maybe when they're advertised, we all hope for the best. Um, (laughs) But like (laughs) to have it be like, it's delayed and the distributor shut down. We don't know if they're going to come back and we don't know when, and when it does come back, what is the bottleneck going to look like? When are these, when and how are these seven, eight, 10, 12, however many weeks of comics going to be released into the, how are we going to do this? So it's, um, it's stressful and you feel for everybody from top to bottom, you know, it's not easy for retailers right now. It's not easy for publishers, not easy for, for fans. It's not easy for creators, you know, so everyone's kind of scrambling and there really is no solution because when you can't predict what tomorrow brings, how can you plan for what to do? Um, Especially at a time when readers are dying to read comics specifically, both because everyone has more time and also the, just the comfort of being able to be like, Oh, so much is crazy right now, but at least I can escape into my comics. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I've been the same. It's funny. I've been lucky that like I live in Chicago, so there's a lot of places that are still around, uh, open and operational and shipping locally. So I was able to lace get like back. I've been wearing back issues, uh, but back trades and stuff like that that I just didn't, nice. yeah. didn't haven't read yet. So at least mm-hmm. I had that. But like, yeah, I mean, there's places that like people who just don't have access to stores or stores that weren't doing curbside or won't do in delivery or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's a challenge. What do you do then? And yeah, I mean, this is the perfect time to have, like you said, you're exactly right to have those comics and we don't at the moment. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a bummer for, for everyone. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about the book. Uh, Lost Carnival, a Dick Grayson novel. Again, it's illustrated yeah. by Sass Malege and Phil Hester, colored by David Calderon and lettered by Steve Wands. Uh, this is, I mean, obviously you can describe it better, but it's an all ages, I think all ages are like mm-hmm. YA graphic novel about Dick Grayson before he was Nightwing, before he was in Gotham City, doesn't even take place in Gotham City. Um, but it does have some weird mysticism. It does have some classic Dick Grayson acrobatics going on. And the the general pitch, well, I'll, I'll let you, what, what was the pitch for the book? Where did it start with? Uh, the pitch actually started with volleys between myself and uh, Bobby Chase at DC. Um, and we we're trying to figure out a way to give a unique, different take on Dick that was still thoroughly, you know, Dick Grayson. So we we're like, how do we, you know, we had the, from the onset, we had the uh, uh, circus and magical element down. We're like, okay, well, let's, let's kind of use that. We, we, we know he's grew up in Haley's. We knew his, you know, his parents were acrobats. We had this kind of fundamental lore that we can, you know, play with and build on. So we started with there and like, okay, let's build Dick this world. Let's build him. You know, he's got the circus, he's got the mystery. Let's kind of like play with some things and some things that I really love that I, you know, kind of balanced into the story, I guess, but more like infused into the story. We're like uh, the HBO show Carnival which is uh, one of my favorite things of all time. 
left us too soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, such no. a, a push to go back to all those HBO, like with the Deadwood uh, movie and all that, but I don't know if Carnival is going to get yeah, that. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's going <laughs> to, but it's funny, you know, as a quick aside, I was reading it. Uh, Daniel Knopf is the guy who uh, uh, created show, uh, show ran that. And he talks about how like, you know, at the time when Carnival was out, like HBO was at this like crazy apex, like that, you know, cause they had Sopranos and six feet under. He's like, if we were out now, we'd be one of their top shows. Um, wow, right what a burn. Yeah. That's <laughs> <probably> man. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Carnival was a big inspiration. So, um, you know, like, and that, you know, for people don't know, it's a 1920s, you know, Dust Bowl, uh, a show about you know carnival that also involves like magical elements, a little bit more uh, religious and dogmatic in its kind of a uh, background. But um, that uh, looking at a book called The Night Circus, uh, Aaron Morganson, which was uh, oh, yeah. just a terrific romantic, uh, also magical mystery circus and stuff, which is you know brilliant, brilliant, beautiful book. Um, and taking a look around and seeing these things that like also did what we were trying to do and seeing like, well, how do they do it? How do, how can we do it different? Um, and we just kept building from there. And what we ended up with, like, was this story of, you know, young Dick Grayson removed from Gotham in Haley circus, uh, you know, having young love and coming into his own, having a coming of age story while there's a rivalry this kind of, you know, other side of the tracks, Romeo and Juliet, uh, rivalry with, a, with another, uh, circus or rather carnival carnival. Um, and it went from there. Taking Dick and moving him back in time before spoiler for anybody who's never read a comic book, but before his parents <laughs> die in Gotham City or anything like that. <laughs> oh, wow. It, it definitely wow. It still feels like Dick. It still feels continuous, but I'm curious to hear, from you, particularly because this is this pre-tragedy Dick Grayson, what in your mind makes the character who he is? That's a great question. Um, for me, uh, and it's funny because I've written, well, just one issue, yeah, just one issue Nightwing, so I'm not, I can't say I like have like a pedigree, but like I wrote one issue Nightwing, <laughs> and I've always thought of like, yeah, it's one, you know. It's one, good. <laughs> That's a strong, yeah, you did it. <laughs> you got to do one before you do two. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was still waiting on two. That was a few years ago. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I, and I don't want to sound like, uh, uh, like I'm being kind of cavalier about it, but I always thought of like Nightwing fundamentally as fun Batman, you know, he's just fun Bruce. Like he's right. <laughs> that's, that's it. He's that's, fun. Bruce. No one should ever need any other explanation. Cause that's, especially when he was Batman, like that's the whole thing. Yeah. He's like yeah. Batman from the Batman, the animated series. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes exactly and yeah i mean i couldn't say it better and it's like he has a very it's funny because they have basically identical tracks of life you know yeah. uh, besides like the money um like you know young tragedy uh a very good at problem solving detective work uh, acrobatics martial arts etc um they have so many important similarities but when you take away uh, the costumes for both. And when you take away Batman, when you take away, you know, Robin or Nightwing um, or like was mentioned, you know, Batman for a time, when you take that away from Dick and you take away from Bruce, they're very, very different people. Um, and what I want to keep my, keep my head around was that like the biggest thing for me for Dick, not only is he fun Batman, but like, he's also 
Bruce is so defined by his tragedy. Like everything that makes Bruce Batman and Bruce Bruce is about his parents dying and the, the, the crime that did that, the tragedy, everything. While Dick is obviously informed and that shaped his life uh, in very important ways, he's not totally defined and, and, and kind of quarantined uh, by this singular event, the way Bruce is, you know, Dick has a, a, a much, you know, more robust uh, character beyond that, that I think that Bruce doesn't. And that leads him to a richer, fuller, I don't want to say a better character, but a much different character than Bruce is. And that's why I say fun Batman, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a kind of offhanded way to say that, but deeper down, it's more about how they define themselves against this both exact same thing that happened in their lives how they define themselves in, in very unique and different ways do you think bruce ever pulls dick aside and is like hey man what's your secret about like having fun <laughs> like why are you fun because <laughs> yeah. i have the how same were you it, fun was it the lack of pearls falling <laughs> As what's thing? that thing that you do when your lips go up yeah <laughs> teach me <laughs> Uh, obviously this isn't exactly your department, but it's a really beautiful book as well. And in particular, this isn't exactly spoilers, but as you go from Haley's circus to over to the lost carnival, which plugs, which, uh, sets down its tents right next door to Haley's, which sets up the main rivalry of the book, you get different coloring in each, you get a different look in each. Um, how involved in you were, were you in that? What was the back and forth like between you and the art team on this? Because it feels like such an intrinsic part of the book. You know, it's funny. Um, this is going to be the shortest answer because uh, I wasn't involved <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, okay. They sent me, uh, and I thought it was a great. I mean, they asked, like, "What do you think about this?" You know, the, the editors Alex and Diego, who were who were great, uh, and I was always involved, like, with everything. You know, seeing Sass's work, which is breathtaking. Her and Phil did just a, a remarkable job. Yeah. Uh, but when they came to like, here's this idea we want to do like this two tone, uh, you know, kind of create a mood and atmosphere between these two locations and these two characters and uh, other things that I don't want to spoil. But like, I, as soon as they said that, that this is what we're planning to do, I, there was no objection for me because it was such a smart and cool idea and such a nice way yeah. to distinguish it. We want these books. I know DC like wants these want these books to look and feel a little bit different from the main line. And like, when you pick this up, it does that. It accomplishes that. And it accomplishes it with like a very specificity to why they did it. And I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's a great decision. Yeah. It feels like youthful and dynamic while still having a little bit of like, Oh, this is like a memory or this happened in the past because of the sort of spare coloring elements. Like I, I think it really works for the book. Oh, yeah, I do, too. That's a great point. Yeah, it feels like a memory. It feels like something like, you know, nostalgic or vintage to it, which makes it the atmosphere, you know, the whole art design, the art deco stuff that they designed the book around. It just kind of lends itself to like a really unified, complete package that I that I love. And that's one of the Uh, things like the animated series had that kind of like very tonal art deco like style. What's nice about this is it takes those choices as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't think about that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, one of the great things, as you kind of touched on about these DC Ink books, is they are taking very different takes on the characters. Uh, they're mostly out of continuity. But uh, I'm curious, was there a continuity you were thinking of with this? Is this 
the Dick Grayson we know? Is it outside? Uh, were there things, little hints and Easter eggs, perhaps if you are a Dick Grayson super fan, then maybe you might pick up on in the novel, even though he's outside of Gotham City? Like the circus is a good Easter egg. I didn't <laughs> notice that until Justin pointed that out when we were talking about <laughs> it. It's from his origin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, the circus is a big one. <laughs> um, Sharp eyes. No, I, you, I could tell. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I mean, you know, technically, uh, he it's a little, I guess, out of continuity because the continuity as it stands, his parents died when he was younger. So that's like one of the, I, you know, you can kind of look at that. That's kind of a big one where a few, we, we aged him and has kept his parents around for a few years. Um, but I tried to keep it in continuity, a character continuity of who he is and who Dick is and where he's going. Um, you know, like I, I, Dick and Teen Titans are, are, are some of my favorite comics of, of all time. Uh, I, I love those characters. Oh yeah, I'm, I, I am a, a, a tremendous fan. It's, I've always wanted to do some Teen Titan stuff, um, but like I've always just uh, I've always loved that. So I've always, I always mean, wanted to pay like a reverence to like that whole uh, tradition, the Wolfman Perez, you know, etc. Um, and in doing so, like I just wanted to stay true to that, stay true to the idea of who Dick is. Don't do anything that was like weird. Like like I said, it's a few years removed or a few years ahead, which I thought was like ultimately fine uh and there are some easter eggs uh i'm trying to think i mean all i can think of now is the circus (laughs) (laughs) there's a t-shirt that says haley's on it it's like whoa (laughs) yeah (laughs) but there's a few more there's a few more that reference where he's going there was a big one at the end that i actually ended up removing because i thought it was too on the nose like at the end they're like we're going to gotham i was like "Ah." Yeah, <laughs> like a little. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to Gotham, and we just got rid of our life insurance, and the ropes are <laughs> really tight and doing well. <laughs> Let's get rid of the net. Yeah, Things are really so great. Greased up my hands. My hands are all greasy and ready. <laughs> and then we're going to retire and move to the country and be happy. Yeah, one last circus, and then I'm out. Uh, so this book is out today this book is great everybody should pick it up uh what else you have a couple of other projects you're working on right now anything else you want to plug at this point um yeah i mean let's see um i mentioned at the top of the show that stuff that that was supposed to come out uh that should be the, the clone Wars series uh five issues of that i hear issue one is in june that would be great. Um, you know, Archangel Eight. Uh, I do a series um, called The Plot with with uh, Vault Comics and Waste of Space, also with Vault Comics. Um, yeah, I think that's more or less it at the moment. Um, some other stuff coming in the future. I know I'm forgetting something. I'm going to regret it tremendously, <laughs> but <laughs> that's all I can think of right now. And yeah, to, you know, the Lost Carnival today, which is. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm really glad. I'm really glad it's out. I know everyone put a lot of work, you know, Sass and Phil and David, and yeah, that's a lot of pages that they did, and, and they look great. It's awesome. Definitely pick it up, Michael. Yeah, thank really you so much it. for coming on the show. Oh, yeah, thanks, thanks for having so me, much. guys. Have a good one. Great talking All to you, man. Right. Yeah, Bye. great job, man. All right, back Michael to the Morris. three of us. <laughs> Woof classic uh yeah michael thank you for coming on the show definitely again it's called the lost carnival a dick grayson graphic novel it's out from dc today you can probably pick it up anywhere it's, worth, it's definitely worth it sold. for the for the art alone but you know it's it's unbelievable 
Yeah, no the writing the writer we just mm, had on. Yeah, no, I'm just saying <laughs> like show, the, right. I mean, we were talking about it, and it's really like uh, it's really, really unbelievable. No, it's a great. I really enjoyed reading that book. Great stuff. Cool. Uh, all right. Next up, we are going to invite, as we mentioned earlier, as we teased earlier, Brett White into the feed here. Get he in is the going stream. to chat about some of his favorite comics in a little section that we like to call the stack. Yeah. Oh, that, that is a room, sir. You are wow. in a room of rooms. <laughs> oh, man. I it's wish I could hang out in that room. Yeah, yeah. you know, just... Oh! It's finally, amazing. years of coming on the podcast, you're finally paying off. We got, yeah, we finally got to look inside <laughs> yeah. the home. Every yeah. time you were on, we gave you a gift of a painting or a comic or something like that, and you've been on literally thousands of times. I'll, yeah, I'll have five, five thousand at least for all <laughs> that. Yeah, and also behind me, of course, and yeah, uh, that uh, is pinned to your chest. You're like yeah. the uh, g- the general of comic books. <laughs> yeah, this is the uh, this is the X Men lineup. Yeah. I love it. It's like yeah. you have one of the boxes in the corner of the book, yeah. but it's actually on your chest. I actually <laughs> do have a pin of the uh, Cockromera corner box, but that's... Uh, anyway. Wow. Well, How do you You choose? fucked up is what happened. Ah! <laughs> Uh, so as we've been doing the past couple of weeks, we've been having some of our favorite guests come on the show and talk about comics. Either they've been reading right now or been super interested in some of their favorites of all time, because everybody's looking for stuff to read while comics are mostly dead in the water, to be honest. What are you I talking about? Rightfully dead in the water. Patting the shovel on the grave, packing the dirt in. Jesus. Uh, Anyway, we're going to be talking about X-Men from the Ashes, which is Uncanny X-Men number 168 through 176. This is written by Chris Claremont. Wow. There they are. Christine. I have a lot of props. Yeah. Pencils by Paul Smith, Walt Simonson, and John Marita Jr. Uh, This was released between April 1983 and December 1983. Now, Brett, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was... Basically, right after the Dark Phoenix saga. No, right? this is like 30 years later? later. Oh, I don't know. Like okay, you later. take it from here. I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> about. Uh, uh, so, right yeah, after, right after the Brood saga. So okay. they just got back from uh, being in Ridley Scott's Alien. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, that's why they're also worried about Kitty. Uh, it's like, yeah. you got to keep Kitty on, on chill. Yeah. So uh, to give a broad overview of the plot, and then I want to hear from you, Brad, about like you talked about this on Twitter. We talked about this a little bit before we brought you on the show, how much these comics mean to you. But if you guys are wondering about the broad overview of the plot, basically you get the uh, Professor Xavier is a jerk. Kitty Pride is made in reserve X-Men. Uh, Wolverine is off for a little while in his own miniseries, I believe, before he yeah. invites everybody over for his wedding. Yeah. Uh, and then we get yeah. the introduction of Madeline Pride after Jean mm-hmm. Grey is done, died. Uh, Scott falls in love with her. Uh, they really get married. Quickly. Very, yeah, their very relationship quickly. is crazy. Dude, he is come dating, on, Scott. He is dating People ask me why I hate Cyclops. <laughs> Another perfect example. He I do want to talk about this immediately, but so oh. much happens in these comics. No, but I one, made of my lot. one of my favorite things is that like he reunites with his girlfriend. They take a walk on the beach. They kiss. And next issue is like, well, Madeline Pryor, this is the one. We're dating. End of that issue. Beginning of he's with yeah. Lee, and he's like, this girl. Yeah. Yeah. It I was really like, what me... happened down in Florida, Scott? She's yeah. never run into it again. 
Why did they what? even? In, why did Chris Claremont include this scene in Florida? Like, to, just unnecessary. To justify somebody being like, "Hey, Scott, nice tan," instead of him just being like, "Yeah, yeah we got the whole fucking story." Well, this is what Lee Forrester's next boyfriend is, Magneto. So, right. Uh, uh, interesting. Oh, so I, I see. I mean, that's one thing about these issues. Like, the X Men are horny. Oh yeah, a lot of these. Yeah, issues. Nightcrawler's yeah, just a like little creeping around. Uh, There's um, many times where like their lives are at stake and the women are just like, you want to do it? You want to go? You want to make <laughs> yeah. out? It's like, we're literally crashing. That's, a, well, that's okay. a hot uh, not, to, not to interrupt your flipping or anything, Brad. I know you're looking for probably horny nightcrawler. Right yeah, there, where's but... that fucking horny nightcrawler image? Yeah, when he's naked gonna... except for the like stuffed animal doll of <laughs> yeah. himself. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. First dick in a box right yeah. there. Dick in a box. <laughs> dick in a bamp. Dick in a bamp. So, I want to hear from you, Brett. Why, why these issues? Why did this in particular hit you so hard? Uh, in 1993, so let's go all the way back. Now, uh, this was the second trade paperback I ever bought was this. Ah, wow. In third grade, I got this and Dark Phoenix Saga. And like Dark Phoenix Saga is the big one. Like, everyone knows yeah. Dark Phoenix Saga. It's the big deal. And this always felt like, if Dark Phoenix Saga is, is this it, this is Room on Fire. I don't know, strokes, metaphors, yeah. people. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, this is the one that doesn't get talked about as much, but it's like Morlock Saga, Wolverine in Japan, Rogue yeah. joining the team, uh, Mastermind coming back. It's just... It is. I mean, Paul Smith is the best X-Men artist of all uh, time. Truly, and his art really stuck out as just so, so good and like era defining in this. Like, in this oh, God. Like, <laughs> and I, I think that I always say this is the transition. This is the X-Men going from being, I mean, Dave Cockrum was the artist right before this. Like, it doesn't get much more Bronze Age than a Dave Cockrum X-Men. And then Romita Jr. is right after that. And Romita Jr. is like very, very like 80s uh, punk rock fashion. So like, this is the transition. This is the X-Men going from being very like Bronze Age heroes to being uh, the kind of like fucked up soap opera that they became for the rest of the 80s. Yeah. And it's just yeah. cool to also, see that transition happen. Punk rock storm in here. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah. There she is. Yeah. Well, it, it is amazing how much happens and how quickly it all happens. Yeah, like how fast you're hit with it. Yeah. But it's like, if I have to hear about fucking Charles Xavier complaining about his legs one more time, I fucking lose it. Come on, Jesus dude. Christ. We Gosh. get it, Charles. We get it. <laughs> Man, rude. Jesus. Super rude. It'd be very frustrating. His, he was in a new body where the legs work. He just couldn't he was like, get it These going. legs should work. If he said that more, that's fine. But he'd just be like, this is so taxing. Well, well but also, Lalandra is just like... I you should really be walking now, man. <laughs> She's like, listen, I got things going on. I thought we'd be walking by now. Like, what's up? I also love in most of these issues, Lalandra is just wearing aerobics gear the entire time. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. She's like, I'm an empress. I need to go fix my people. But this athleisure wear is crushing me right now. I have now. to say, these socks are amazing. Yeah. The other thing, this happens, uh, Brett. I know I said this to you, but in the wedding issue, uh, which is. Also, I mean, all of it's fantastic. And I realized I never read these issues. Like, I've read the stuff oh. beforehand, and I started picking up X-Men around Mutant Massacre, I think, which is well after that. Um, yeah. So I never read back and read them. Uh, but 
it's all like very classic Claremont, multiple stories layered at the same time, weaving into each other, but it never feels like there's just a random page in the middle of somewhere that's setting up something that happens issues later or maybe doesn't pay off at all. Uh, But the wedding issue thing that was so funny to me in the middle of all of these other things going on, where like you think Phoenix is back, you think she's destroyed most of the world, Turns out Cyclops figures out it's mastermind, uh, but and eventually they beat him and uh, Cyclops gets married to Madeline Pryor and all of these things are going on in this huge issue. But in the middle of all this, uh, Havoc's family members take the time to just like absolutely rip him a new one for no good reason. <laughs> like his yeah. dad... Yeah, this, yeah. Oh, well, there, the that's the second theory. one. The first one is his dad, Corsair, is about to be blown up and he's like, <laughs> tell Scott Tell Scott, uh, tell my, tell Scott and his brother Alex goodbye. We're <laughs> <Yeah>. just <laughs> like this other guy I barely know. Then the, his grandparents at the wedding are like, "Wow, Scott's super handsome. Definitely the most handsome Summers brother." Yeah. And then Our the last thing, handsome men, eh, especially Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the altar. Uh, Alex is like, hey, you got the ring? And Scott's like, uh, Scott's like, why don't you give me the ring? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe I don't have it. And yeah, Scott is like, how much like, is it worth to you? No, Scott says, I'll kill you. Want yeah, to yeah. die, Alex? Want to die, Alex? Crazy. I've said that Leave Havoc alone, Summer's family. That's all I'm saying. That was wow. my main takeaway from Alex repping Alex over here. Um, I mean, the craziest thing is the Madeline Pryor story and all this, where the whole thing, you're like, oh, that's Jean Grey. Oh, it's got to be Jean yeah, Grey. Yeah. Oh, it's probably the Phoenix. The Phoenix's whole thing is being reborn and coming back as soon as it dies. And they let it walk so close to the line, and still no one is ever like, Scott, dude. They're like, Cause this is good. This marriage is good and fast. She seems so happy. I yeah. did like – I never really caught this before, but um, – so in the in issue 175, a mastermind is like giving his big, finally giving his big villain spiel, and he's like showing off all the different guises he's taken. Yeah, yeah. And he says like, "I plan to use whomever was Scott's girlfriend for my ultimate deception." Your uncanny <laughs> resemblance to Jean Grey provided a delightfully unexpected irony. I love that. Like, it wasn't even mastermind's plan. It's like, oh, hey, good, good for me, awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is but it's also Claremont being like, he knows what his plan is, right? Why is he putting this weird feint in the middle of it? Well, he had originally, he'd originally, I think, said that he just wanted it to be someone that looks just like Gene, which is a weird oh, story idea to have. And then it wasn't it until um, later. I mean, I think when they brought Gene back and they had to start like <laughs> all the way to Inferno and poor yeah. Madeline, she really gets a raw into the deal. I like Madeline in this. She's, She's good. She flat yeah. out punches Cyclops in the face. Great. Great. Yeah. Okay. I love great. a line in the in this later on in the run where uh, she pulls out a bottle of champagne and is like, you want to get blitzed and fool around? <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, lady? <laughs> I <love that. laughs> so I also wanted to bring up that. So who both, uh, this is a running theme that you cannot um, out- uh, you don't have it worse than any of the X-Men. Like, in Professor Xavier is a jerk, when Kitty's like, I've been demoted to the New Mutants, and Magic's yeah. like, yeah, I was raised in a demon dimension, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but then also, multiple, your privilege. Time, multiple times throughout this run, Madeline keeps saying, yeah, you know, I was the only survivor of a plane crash that killed 400 <laughs> people, but yeah. like... <laughs> so many times. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, and that's, I think when Scott was just, he lasered a shark, you know, before the big monster octopus yeah. bite. 
That is so. Let's just give a little yeah. context of that because this is the cut off jean shorts. By the way, I know that's a good last issue. I should do at some point. Uh, after yes. all of the mutant craziness and everything else that's going on, they get married, and Madeline Pryor and Scott Summers are on a plane. And this is not even a villain plot. They just get caught in a sudden storm, get trapped in the middle of the ocean, and attacked. By a squid, by a giant and a squid. shark, and then a squid. A shark, yeah, yes, shark, giant shark, and then a squid. And Scott ultimately has to laser, yeah, uh, the squid, like you were saying, which is bonkers. The whole thing is bonkers. The shark like, jumps out of the, the shark jumps out of the water to get him. Yeah. It's like the shark knew he was there. It was like, let me give this a shot. Called jumping the shark. Oh, oh, nice one, Pete. Uh, Pete, Pete I'm you- to hear. Oh, oh, I think maybe we're saying question? that. Yeah, yeah. about the oh. wedding and the single tear that Wolverine cried. At yeah, end. that was that was sad because he was like, I was so close to this. So you know, I mastermind. cried reading this again today. Oh, wow. That Wolverine and oh. Japan arc. So Rogue joining the team and the way the X-Men react to her is so just fucking aces. And Wolverine's yeah. in Japan. So like when the X-Men show up in Japan and they all show up at the door and Mariko's like, well, hey, um... There's still one more X-Men waiting in the doorway. Do you want to invite her in? And then if it were up to me, Miko, I'd cut out her heart. And just <laughs> yeah. like the mix of that with the way Paul Smith draws Rogue in that image, yeah. like the innocence on her face, like she looks terrified. You can see the uh, the motion in her knee of like she's trying to come in, but not really. Like that is just so good. Yeah. And in this two issue arc of just Rogue and Wolverine, like learning how to be buddy cops, essentially. Yeah. And Rogue yeah. even learning what the new boundaries of her relationship with the X-Men are, because you see her going from being the scared person that went to Xavier. And then when she's out with Wolverine, she starts getting a little bit of that brotherhood, like flirty friskiness. She's tries to kiss Logan at one point. Yeah. Oh, and the like, no with the fit. Ooh. Don't fucking do that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and then it culminates with her essentially sacrificing herself. And it's so like those, that just, it makes me cry. It's and the reason she sacrificed the fact that, she talks about somebody just uh, uh, being nice to her, greeting someone with open arms instead yeah. of just completely shutting somebody down. Like it's a powerful message. She was nice was really to me. Great. She's the only one of these. She was the that only was one who was nice to me, and for yeah. that, I'm gonna lay down and die. Like unbelievable stuff. I think well, what is uh, great, like this, has stuck with me so long, is because this is why every single one of these characters is my favorite character. This is why Rogue right. and Kitty Pride and Storm are the three best X-Men like, and wow. just the fact that Claremont condensed all of that. And it just, this is so wild. Yeah. I mean, the more locks. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> we actually, on the last week's show, we were talking about uh, X factor and the big mutant massacre arc there. And just how interesting the Morlocks are as a concept as the actually outcast, actually ugly mutants yeah. who are forced to live underground. Yeah. And it's fascinating seeing them introduced here, particularly because, like, Kalisto eventually becomes a very big ally of the X-Men. But I, again, coming in, like, with the Mutant yeah. Massacre, I was like, oh, Storm, I guess, fought Kalisto at some point in the past. Well, you watched the became, Of course. Uh, yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, I did that. Whoa. Yeah. Well, that's in the cartoon. They right. changed Storm to, like, she's claustrophobic and there's yeah. all this other stuff. And but Storm and the knife fight was so badass. Yeah, like, that was badass. Grab the knife like midair, and everybody was like, "Whoa!" Whoa. Yeah. Like, she didn't even oh, have. She wasn't even wearing shoes in the sewer. 
Yeah. Very <laughs> dangerous. Gross. Now forget the the plague that she has, the claustrophobia. It's she's barefoot yeah. in, in a New York sewer, which is awful. That's yeah, awful. very yeah. deep. But sewer. safe place to quarantine right now. I bet probably not a lot of people there. Morlocks. Oh yeah, the Morlocks are thriving right now. <laughs> but that's the thing about the, the their whole thing was like we're ugly, we're down here, like you like you put yourself down here. Like we're <laughs> saying, hey, come up come upstairs and they're like no we're ugly do you Uh, think the other morlocks are like callisto you just have an eye patch like you could go do whatever (laughs) yeah you could (laughs) what's the the eye patch sure it's a little ugly okay yeah go hang out at cbgb's or whatever you think chris claremont went to cbgb's and was like these people are fucked up they're morlocks (laughs) yeah yeah uh, yeah. Pete, I'm I curious to hear from you because there is a lot of Wolverine stuff that goes on in here. How did, how'd you feel about this take on Wolverine? I love the Wolverine stuff. I also yeah. really love, thank you. For, I, I'm liking the, the display that you're putting on as we're talking. It's really cool. Ah. Uh, I love the, <laughs> the pain in Wolverine. I love the way Wolverine kind of talked about like how he is around Kitty pride and how oh, sometimes that, he forgets oh, that moment. Just is like, so good. it's great. Oh, it's great. It's it, it's really, really impressive. What's weird to me is like reading it now uh, and it just like being like, oh, my God, what is going on? Because like, where is Beast? Like, why are we talking to showing Scott Summers so much? He's not even on the team. I don't care about some guy taking a vacation. Like, fuck this guy. Like, why are we showing him so much? But like uh, the this to me is like very classic X-Men, like Claremont, like. It's uh, it's just one of those stories that's so famous. I know it from cartoons and other things. So it's like it was really great to go back and reread the material. Uh, s- some of it you're a little like, all right, Claremont, uh, turn down the perv a little bit. Not every woman wants to make out all the time. Yeah, but, man. Uh, well, it's not, hold on. The thing I do want to say, though, is like. I understand what you're saying, and this is going to sound like scad praise, but it's not at the level where he is at some points later in his career. Like, you can see some of the classic... Hold on. Hold on. What I'm saying is that... He gets pervier, so that's... Like, particularly when you get to Excalibur, which I fucking love Excalibur, but every other issue, somebody says, oh, gosh, oh, golly, oh, wow. Uh, Psylocke, in every appearance that he ever wrote in X-Bet, is like, the sum total of my psychic forces like there's those catchphrases he hits but here he's not relying on those crutches in the same way so there are some of those things like the women being scantily dressed and uh, catchphrases and other things like that but they actually do feel in service of the story in a very different way so when i first met claremont uh, when I worked at when I was hired at Wizard and my job was to invite people to conventions, I had to call Chris Claremont on my first day at work, which was very no. stressful. First one out of the box. First day at work, wow. I invited Wizard World Philadelphia 2008. Um, so when I went and met him in person, the first thing I said, like I had him sign Uncanny 168, which is right there on my wall. And then I talked to him. I was like, look, like Chris Claremont is the verbose writer, but he gets paired with Paul Smith. And this is what he does. Like it is yeah, just yeah. like. And he was like, yeah, I, I didn't want to mess up his art. Like I, it's just, it's a really cool thing that you always think of him as being an overly wordy writer, but he's so smart that he knows that Paul Smith is doing all of this work that he doesn't need to do much with. And it also happens again in the, the storm and Callisto fight. Like it's just so good. And 
I don't know. I was reading some of the dialogue and I was like, this dialogue is so much better than I remember him ever being. Yeah. I thought that like, too. Especially all Cyclops the, stuff. It was really Yeah. Good. And yeah. being able to be in the characters heads so much and have like, you they're just like so emo thinking throughout all of this. I thought I really liked that. And I've missed that. Uh, also, it's impressive that like we got like I was like, oh, OK, after the wedding, we're not going to find out, even though we find out it was mastermind, poor Wolverine, you know, like he got forgot that he goes back and he kind of yeah. closes that loop. Just like we also go down the Warlocks and there's heartbreaking kid there with Kitty Pride picture. I'm forgetting his his name. And it's Caliban. like, yeah, he's like, she promised. And you're like, oh, my God. And. Yeah, was all that coming to a head because they kidnapped Kitty again. Uh, yeah. This is a this is a good question over here in the comments from Jay Sinison says: Are Claremont's X Men any more horny than Hickman's? No, I would say differently horny. Like Hickman's X Men are like we need to have sex to make baby. They're out of character horny. Right. I think that's that's like an intellectual. <laughs> I in this run, you feel the characters being like. Oh, I'm gonna fuck in this bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, but in in Hickman's Hickman, run, it's like we will have sex because that is the rule here. No, and it's no. also like all fifty of us are just gonna fuck right now, despite our past characterization and who we actually like and don't like. Yeah. Oh my god, also, Jubilee's gonna be fucking apocalypse at some point. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. The Hickman. <laughs> there's islands fleeing to fuck other islands. It's just. <laughs> it's fuck island. It's just Absolutely ridiculous. Not. How much um, sex? I really love the moment in uh. Well, there's also X Men One Seventy Four is titled Romances. Yeah, and it's just yeah. all of the X Men like with these vignettes. I really the Kitty and Peter, the Kitty and Colossus one is so cute. Yes, uh, don't get Salvin started. It is also like he's I love Kitty. He's eighteen. Yeah, he's seventeen or eighteen. She's fourteen, fifteen. Like it's fine. Um, I love that when she tells him to close his eyes, she immediately like jumps in his arms and kisses him. It's so like, yeah, yeah she's a 14 year old girl with this like sweet, sensitive hunk painter, <laughs> muscular painter. I yeah. love, I love the cuts to Colossus throughout here. Just there where it's almost like he's underused versus some of the other characters. Like there's a big focus on Wolverine rogue Cyclops, as we've been saying, but every once in a while they cut to Cyclops. And he's like, I'm making some beautiful art over here. Yeah. Don't mind me. I was upset and, yeah. we didn't get to see his painting, though. No. Yeah, that's true. Real bummer. There he is. That's his action catching kitty hand movement. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. My kitty figure is over there. Um, she's not in her Paul Smith costume, so I didn't bring her over to here. These wow. are only comic accurate. Thank you. Harry, you're Thank sticking you. to it. That's great. This and and look, real quick, um, Alex, you were saying how he's not um, pervy at all, but he does um, have the Hellfire Club, a major part of this, a club where the women exclusively wear corsets and lingerie. Yeah, the men exactly. wear full yeah. tuxedos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. Sebastian saw his like covered up to here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot of hair too. Just yes. Uh, this book is great. If you've never read it, definitely pick it up. You can get it in individual issues. Uh, X-Men. Masterworks Volume 9, which is mm. the... It doesn't have uh, 176. It doesn't have the X-Men versus Octopus. And that's oh. all right. <laughs> but this also includes God Loves, Man Kills, and the Wolverine miniseries by Frank Miller and Claremont. So it's just like this might be oh, the best wow. collection of X-Men comics to ever be made. Mm. Yeah, wow. Kind of wild. Um, that's also just a side note that the fact that the Frank Miller, Chris Claremont Wolverine run 
ties in directly into this. It's like, mm-hmm. what the hell was Claremont? <laughs> like, what de- deal with the devil did he make to make the best comics all at once? Yeah, Jesus. it's great. Definitely uh, pick it up. Uh, Brett, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you want to yeah. plug in particular that people should check out? Uh, go follow me on Instagram at Brett White, where you will see I am uh, in quarantine losing my mind and generating too much yeah. content. Uh, I'm doing <laughs> video recaps of Silver Age X-Men. I just did X-Men number six today, um, two minutes each. Uh, they are ridiculous. And also, <laughs> Matt Brett Love Comics is... Uh, back-ish as an Instagram live show um, Thursday night at 8 o'clock. We'll be talking about uh, Star Wars, um, the Jason Aaron, John Cassidy, first four issues. Oh, nice. Uh, and cool. last week we did Sabotage, uh, X-Force, Spider-Man. So you can also find that on IGTV. I also have props awesome. for all those, too. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Amazing. Brett, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Great Brett. Brett. Bye. Bye. <laughs> all right. Okay, wow. folks, it is now time for my favorite section because you all make it up. Really? It is your – oh, wait. No, it's not. I'm I was going to say, you missed a bunch whoa, of yeah, others. Whoa, I almost did this last time. Made us back it up. Read. Here's the thing. I lied earlier. I lied when they said uh, that the comic industry was dead and buried because there actually were a couple of comics that came out this past week, and in particular today, both from DC Comics, a bunch of them, and one from Archie Comics that came out last Wednesday. So we're going to do a little more stack here and run through some comics that came out today. Kick it off with the Green Lantern Season 2, Number 3 from DC Comics, script by Grant Morrison and Art and Colors by Liam Sharp. Uh, yes, Pete, you have a question right off. What's going on? What the fuck is going on in this comic? <laughs> this comic is a, like I feel like we've been um, inside so much that it's maybe it's starting to make sense what uh, <laughs> what Grant's doing here with the clouds. I read this like yeah. three times, and I was just like, I don't know if I'm should smoke or something beforehand, or if that would hurt, or I don't know, man. This was weird. So Hal Jordan has been sent to Earth. Uh, it kind of seemed like he was getting into motion, but actually he's investigating some sort of mystery. And evil otherworldly beings from another dimension are attacking Earth. Uh, he isn't even necessarily for there for that, but he's trying to stop it at the same time as he's trying to figure out what his other thing is going on. Uh, the thing that kind of blew me away about this issue is so Liam Sharp's been the artist the entire time, both on Green Lantern Season 1 and yeah. here. This is such a different art style for this book. It yeah. threw me for a loop at first and it's great, it's beautiful. but it's a much it's beautiful art. Yeah. It's a it's much more lush. painted style. Yeah, yeah. It's a pain. I love that. What'd you think uh, about it? Justin? I don't I mean, I don't know the Hal Jordan being like, I don't take my ring on when I fly ships for the first time or whatever. I was like, what is this? <laughs> like, it's all very, I don't know if it's, uh, purposeful or what but it's so posture like mm-hmm. Hal Jordan is it's all postures and I think it's so weird I thought it was also interesting that Cowgirl comes in here who is they dated yeah. uh, right for a fair amount of time seems like they might and date it's here just, too it does feel that way and she's a character that feels I, I don't know it doesn't also feels a little odd but maybe in yep. a good way to have here so i i don't know all right that was a reserved art is good let no no, no it's true be true to your feelings well i mean oh feelings. wow but let me feel yeah, alex let me let feel, feel alex um, i was letting him feel and 
they, they he flies a ship that breaks through the sound barrier it's like really nine cool. different really times. Really great flying planes. Uh, House of Whispers <laughs> number twenty, also from DC Comics, written by Nalo Hopkinson and Dan Waters, art by Dominic Domo Stanton and Matthew Dow Smith. Uh, this is another wild book. I think we yeah, reviewed the first this? issue. Sure. So Hal Jordan is a pilot. He's been sent to. Or, <laughs> no, I actually don't know what's going on. He's been sent to the House of Whispers. Yeah. Um, so I Justin? think uh, I I read a, a bunch of issues of this and then uh, stopped picking it up. But um, from my understanding is they're trying to get back to the House of Whispers. Um, these characters go sort of several uh, dimension breaks and we meet characters who like the guy here has died and you were recounting how he went to this ship um, with a dead people and i really like uh the, i mean the i i, I understand elements. that it makes sense that part makes sense because when you die you think about ships that you've been to so like i followed that part what ships do you think you'll end up thinking about when you die? <laughs> <laughs> so you just said when, had, you die, it makes sense. when you die when you die you think about ships you, you yeah, think about Pete the sf minnow pete wrote that book the seven ships you picture when you die that's right that's yeah. right yeah. oh that's cool that time we good. shared a uh a, a bed in that uh fucking cruise ship so when you die you're saying you imagine that you and i are going to go on a cruise together uh do you think this time we'll get the all you can drink yes it? yeah that's the first thing i'm doing that's nice. what we know if we're in heaven or not because <laughs> if, if you can get the yeah uh, this book is fine, but dreamlike and kind of crazy. Next one, Joker. Well, not, one last thing about it. I oh, really, yeah, really like the idea that they uh, they establish in here that um, House of Whispers is supposed to be like, oh, it's cool to know everyone's secret. They list out all these sort of secrets that are bad to know. And I love the idea of uh, secrets agnostic in that way. I haven't thought of in the way that they do book. And it was cool. Yeah. Uh, Joker Harley, Criminal Sanity number four from DC Comics, written by Cami Garcia and art by Jason Badauer and Maiko Soyan, I believe. So this is a more ground level take on Harley and Joker. Joker is a anarchist murderer in the Gotham City area. Harley is a, I don't know, forensic psychologist, I guess is what you call her, teaming up with the Gotham mm-hmm. PD, trying to track down both Joker, who I believe killed her friend. A roommate yep. uh, at some point in the past, uh, and also another serial killer at the same time, um, and it flashes back and forth over time. Uh, I I like this book a lot more than I expect every time right. that I pick yeah. it up, yeah. just because the characterization is so good and the art is great as well. I really like the kind of different take on Harley. Joker still seems like the shitty Joker from Suicide Squad, but I think that it'll be interesting to see the turn that she takes, like how uh, she kind of is taken over by Joker in this one, uh, just because she seems like such a fucking badass. It'll be interesting to see how this all kind of like pans out, but I love the story. The art's really good. It's, it's interesting. I definitely, every time I pick it up, I'm like, Oh yeah, I like this book. Why am I picking this up more? Yeah, the art's great. And Pete, you've been classified as criminally sane as well. Sane. Yes, thank you. That's thank what I you. said. Criminally sane. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. So I think this book really speaks to you. Sure. sure does, yeah. uh, next one to talk about from Archie Comics, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Something Wicked, number two, story by Kelly Thompson and art by Veronica Fish and Andy Fish. Another just fun book. We've talked about this a lot, but every issue is just 
very solid, particularly if you're a fan of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina or Riverdale or anything like that. It's all ages, but it still works in the tone of those shows very nicely. Um, and it has the talking cat. It does. Yeah. So, Which is great. But, uh, the fishes are killing it on this book. The art's fantastic. It's uh, It's just kind of like a fun Sabrina romp. I mean, I kind of like uh, her and Archie together more, but this is still great. And uh, it's just kind of classic adventures. Now, that's what was that chapter two or three of the seven boats you picture before you die where you that's titled The Fishes Are Killing It? Uh, three. three. Oh, OK. All right. Thanks. Yeah. I see I, why you got confused, because this was book number two. So I guess uh-huh. maybe you thought yes, it was two. Numbers are actually hard. Three. Three. Again, really looking forward to hear the rest of those ships that Pete um, looks forward to <laughs> seeing when he dies. Um, one of them would be um, a ship in a, a Chuck E. Cheese, assuming. Um, <laughs> ship in a bottle. Corn, ship in a bottle, definitely. Great Relationship. Ship. One should be Ooh. related to Pete. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that's something to think about. Uh, Batman and the Outsiders, number 12 from DC Comics, written by Brian Hill and art by Dexter Soy. This is wrapping up a storyline where Rachel Ghoul is, I guess, trying to destroy the world as usual. The Outsiders are trying That's to stop him. To his old tricks. <laughs> that guy. Incorrigible. The brain. Destroy the world. He is. I mean, yeah. when you live forever, you got time to think of schemes and scams. And this guy's uh, full of them. What I. What I like about this book is the Batman is less of a dick. Like he kind of like talks a little bit more like he's, a, you know, sometimes you get Batman. It doesn't talk at all about like he's just speaking through his actions and it kind of seems colder than he could be taking. I like the tone that they're using with this Batman. This is kind of a little bit more accessible Batman. And I like that. And uh, I think if you're going to team him up, when he's working with other people, we kind of want him to talk a little bit more. So I'm glad they're doing that. I think the art's fantastic. I like this book. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, the Rachel Ghoul in this felt like the Batman animated series, Rachel Ghoul. Uh, he yeah. calls him detective. Like I like that. Uh, reading this, maybe I was thinking about Katana, whose sure. husband is in the sword that she has. Right, right, right. Has it ever been established if that's like straight up true? Or is yeah. that just something... Yeah, well, are you thinking about going tape. that way? You think about just living in a sword, Justin? You've had enough. I mean, I've I don't know how much to go that sword life. Obviously, I'm married. Um, I don't know how much my wife is wants me in a sword. Uh, I feel just, like maybe she would want you in a sword. About it. My wife and I, we talked about whether she wanted me in a sword, and yeah. the answer was yes, but not until this whole thing is done. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. That's nice that she wants you around, and then right into the sword. Yeah, and then no thanks. She wants me to fall on my sword. Uh, Hawkman number 23 (laughs) from DC Comics, written by Robert Vendetti, pencils by Mauricio uh, Takaria and Fernando Pissarin. Uh, Hawkman, this is an interesting issue of Hawkman. Yes. It takes a turn. It takes a turn. They go back to uh, Plague Doctor times. I don't even know. Oh, you mean 2020? Slam, topical, think about it. Think about it. Oh, because he's got the mask on and he can't... Anyway, it's one of their past lives, so we get to see a little bit of their past lives. It ties into a bigger story that Robert Vendetti is talking through Hawkman. Uh, But I like this quite a bit. Like, it's simplified what is usually a very complicated story with the Hawks, uh, but played it off in the right way through the relationship, I thought. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, this was, I think, my favorite issue of these DC books that we read. Uh, I l- Hawkman's one of those characters, or both Hawkman and Hawkwoman, where there's so many takes that are sort of all over the place, and there's so much to do here. Like, I, I like this flashing back to these different stories and then using that to inform the present tense. And when we get to the present tense, uh, I like that little scene as well. This it is was- great. It was one of those things where, like, I forgot I was reading a Hawkman book. Like, I got so kind of enthralled in this what's happening in this old-timey kind of thing. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, Hawkman. So I think it it kind of pulls you out a little too far, but it ends really well. So. And um, last one we're going to talk about. Wait, the real Flash. quick before we, oh, yeah. before we move on. Um, over in the comments section, we're talking about oh, uh, places where our souls might end up and mm-hmm. – uh, someone who knows Pete very well um, thought maybe um, that he, uh, well, is going to end up in a nunchuck. And I think that is, uh, that would be ideally, uh, uh, you know, yeah, this is actually a related question from Danny Ollie over on YouTube. How many times has Pete died? Pete, how many times have you died so far? I'd say a baker's dozen. (laughs) 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 Well, you're going (laughs) to, That's You're gonna so have to expand down. that boats book, Pete. That's yeah. At least yeah, five more, five more boats. I thought you were gonna go with like a cat has nine lives, and so does a Pete. But uh, a baker's dozen. Interesting yeah. choice. Yeah. Can you yeah. walk right. us through me your top three favorite deaths? <laughs> Obviously, uh, meatballs choking on a meatball. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's there. That's Huge. definitely there. Uh, or garbage plate, really, instant garbage plate. A lot of food related deaths. Yeah. Are you are you um Groundhog's Daying right now? Where you're just trying to live the perfect day? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly right. I'm gonna How hopefully get it right. Not good. Uh, if you can tell by what's happening in the world, yeah, I love that we're good. part of your Groundhog's Day. Yeah. Last yeah. one, Flash 70, 753 from DC Comics, written by Joshua Williamson and art by Howard Porter and Brandon Peterson. So the Flash is fighting a new villain called Paradox, who basically eats time paradoxes and is chasing after the Flash. The Flash has no choice but to team up with the reverse Flash. Um, I don't you know you're out. <laughs> you're done. No, no I, so I like this. Yeah, I no. like this too. No, this was Here's so the dumb. The problem is with Flash is he's just done too much time travel. Even in this, yeah, he's like, can't here stop. I am again outside here my I house. Am again at the house that we've seen. Yes, exactly. My mom's dying in there. No, I'm here in one timeline. Here's the reverse it. Flash. Oh, uh, yeah. It's just ridiculous. Who do you think uh, visits the the their parents' death more, Batman or the Flash? Well, the fucked up thing is Batman probably goes to the spot more, but the Flash shows up in the moment a lot. Like if right. Batman showed up when his parents were about to die, you think he'd be like, you know what? Fuck this. Let me grab the pearls. Let me make this nice. Yeah. Don't save my parents. Just grab those pearls. Don't yeah, want them to drop. Pearls. That's what he's yeah. a big jewelry guy. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's what he was all about. later. Selena yeah. Kyle will steal these. So I need to have these. Uh, yeah, I think that. The cosmic treadmill is bullshit, and like you know, I think the art's amazing. Um, but yeah, it just, I just, come on, Flash. There's other stories to tell, right? I mean, but you I, gotta, I, I was gonna say I like this story a lot. I like the characters. I like the what happened. It's just it feels like so much of the Flash has been like going through time over and over again, and it's a little burnt out as a. It's like too trod. Like he needs to slow down and tell some different stories. I see what you're getting at. Wow. Wow. Nice. All right. And for real this time, that is it for the stack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh.
And now we're going to get to our next uh, section, which is my favorite section because you guys make it up. It is your audience questions. Hooray! And for your audience questions, here's how it works, though. I think you figured it out. Drop a question on Crowdcast and ask a question. Or if you're on YouTube, as you folks have been doing, just throw them right there in the chat and we'll get to them. Uh, Now, I know we have some very eager folks going on in the Ask a Question section here on Crowdcast. uh, But I did want to get to one over here. Uh, Sophie Kemp Sherman apparently has something about Katie Keene she wants to tell us on YouTube uh, specifically, she says, is there any way uh, I have important news about Pepper and Katie Keene? It's a oh. huge reference that you all have missed, but will love. I will wait to be acknowledged to spill the tea, LOL. Oh. Uh, and she says, <laughs> she says, you all told me to come here and talk about Katie Keene. So here I am. Uh, <laughs> nice. I, and I think we did say that actually on our Katie Keene podcast. You Katie do. Keene, yeah, yeah, you do say that. Yeah, uh, so thank you for coming, Sophie. I understand I'm outnumbered and probably the only woman in this live chat, but this reference is spicy. No. Oh, boy. I love no, it. Definitely not. I love Katie not Keen. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, well, wait. I'm just letting uh, Sophie know she has free range to leave that in the comments. In the meantime, uh, while we're waiting for her to drop that there, we're going to go over here and check out what's going on. And there's actually one that I'm going to look for here. What? What is What is happening I was going to pick on Kevin here, but he didn't use the catchphrase. What? <laughs> it's happening. What are you it's doing? Birthday. You kind of have to let him in. Kevin, it's it's your birthday. Let me know in the comments here if you want to come on in and try your hand at the Starman quiz. Uh, but wow, really? followed up on the idea of Brett's podcast, what's a TV episode that you think most people haven't seen but really really should have Ooh, a t- episode of a tv series comic book related or anything yeah he has he has a podcast called uh, must have seen yes tv must have seen tv yes <laughs> yeah uh so uh, what's a tv episode you think most people haven't seen but really really should um i'll throw out a crazy one i don't know if this is actually true but uh there's a show called journeyman that nobody watched which was a time travel show uh it was one season it was awesome because kind of like the flash he kept fucking everything up all the time like his time travel it wasn't like quantum leap where everything just reset it's every time he traveled back and fixed some things things were worse in the present uh and it just had this cumulative effect of being so sad by the end but the last episode was pretty much perfect even though it wasn't supposed to be the last episode so and throughout that one i think that's a good one to watch do you guys have uh, one I have a couple sort of, uh, I have two animated shows. Uh, the Adventure Time episode, um, I'll Remember You, uh, is just uh, so good. There's a Rebecca Sugar song in it, and it really kicks off the really deep dive into the mythology of Adventure Time, which I still um, adhere to the fact it's the best mythology on uh, television. Truly great. And the other one I was going to say is uh, episode of Avatar, The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Um the it was I think the one there was a triptych where there were three shorts and um, it's the one where they sing the song Leaves on the Vine um, the general uh, who is the uncle uh, in the Fire Kingdom he's this is great short about how his son died and he sings this song and it's just so uh, sad and great cool Pete you got one yeah uh, I, there's a Batman the animated series episode where Batman gets um, 
stuck in some kind of like uh, Bruce Wayne gets stuck in some kind of like jail slash sweatshop kind of thing. He's kind of like out in this weird desert kind of thing. And somebody is out there with him. And like when he gets kind of like back to being his rich self, he like goes and helps him. And yeah, he's like a shitty millionaire, but it's like nice to know that like the message of the show is still like, you know, you can still help the people you come in contact with and the, you know, like relationships and people are important, like regardless of who you are in your real life. So like status and all that be damned when you help people, when you kind of meet people, you should help them and stuff like that. So to me, that was always like a really special episode. Cool. All right. Good answers. Uh, look it over at YouTube here. Sophie is still uh, typing stuff out. This is a very uh, spicy thing about Katie Keene. Uh, <laughs> but in the meantime, woo, uh, first, the top question here is actually from Pete's Punisher Slippers. If and when the comic book club cinematic universe premieres on screens everywhere, who would you like to see cast as Alex, Justin, and Pete, and maybe Nat Townsend if you need a villain? Nah. Um, <laughs> Who who would be cast as us and who would be cast as Nat, the villain? Uh, yes, uh, Tom Selleck for JT. Never been told I look like Tom Selleck except for <laughs> yeah. uh, How's that show. mustache going, by the way? Great. Really stuck with it. Um, this is three weeks of growth. Wow, um, man. Same here. I, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think who would play the three, uh, us, in, us individuals. Mm. This is a weird answer for Nat, and I don't even know the name of the actor, but I just saw him on another show. Uh, there's this, if any of you watch The Bold Type, there's this dude who came in and it was the digital editor of The Bold Type. He's very tall and skinny and snarky, and I think he'd work for Nat. Uh, what about the animated Ichabod Crane? From <laughs> Sleepy Hollow? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Blah. That's a good one. Uh, but what's uh, who is a good swarthy beard man to play Pete? Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti for Pete. There oh, that would be amazing. That dude's yeah. unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. Take way to take it as a compliment. <laughs> I love how we're really hitting our age here. Paul Giamatti, Dude. Tom Selleck. I don't care. That dude's an amazing actor. Tom DeLuise or something. DeLuise. Well, just the reference of that. I don't know. Um, I mean, uh, a young, a slightly younger Matthew Broderick. Uh, I would say I like a, get Matthew Broderick when people an see me. Old Gene Hackman. You know what I mean? Like really, an old Gene, Gene Hackman. Like Black is very old, old yeah. Gene Hackman. You know, yeah, a less uh, spry Gene Gene Hackman. Yeah. What about Gene Wilder? Yeah, Alex. I I would love that if he was still around. Uh, he's around. I think he's alive, isn't he? No, he passed away. Oh, did he? Yeah, but that's all right. He can come back. Did you see that news story? This is totally off topic, but topical. Um, Elon Musk lives in Gene Wilder's mansion. Yeah, it made me so mad. I don't. And Elon Musk was that. like, "I'm sell-. He's like went crazy on Twitter yet again, and he was like, "I'm selling everything. The only stipulation: you can't fuck up Gene Wilder's mansion that I live in." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, all right, I'm gonna very quickly uh, go through this uh, pepper pepper theory on Katie Keene. If any of you okay. don't watch Katie Keene. Um, you know, you can tune out for a second. Uh, but if you do watch Katie Keene, uh, this will tie into our Katie Keene pa- ca- podcast. It's a huge crossover. So uh, Pepper, Sophie Kemp Sharon says, 
Pepper's story completely parallels the Soho scammer, a.k.a. Anna Delvey. I've been dying oh. these last few episodes because the writers have gotten really literal with the references. But let me start from the beginning when we're introduced to Pepper. Anna was living at a fancy hotel in Soho, which I used to work very close to, but hadn't been paying her bills. She had a concierge-type person who was her friend and would look out for her. This is the Pepper and Dee Dee storyline, but there's the added romantic sexual relationship and then apprenticeship. Anna Delvey's goal and purpose for being at NYC was to open up a club galley performance space for artists, literally what the pepper plant is. I don't think Anna was able to get a space for a club, but she was going to get the investors and buzz going. Mad props to Pepper for really getting the pepper plant started. However, like Pepper, Anna was a good scammer. She became a New York socialite and was friends with, partied with very wealthy connected people. So Pepper's seemingly legit connections to kind of famous people make sense in a way. Now, the recent references, first of all, the person messing with her on Twitter is called Hannah Melvy, which absolutely cracked me up. Like that was a direct Anna Delvey called out. Second, the reason they keep talking about Morocco. Anna's whole scam blew up when she and her friend who worked at Vanity Fair went to Marrakesh and Anna couldn't pay for the fancy hotel they stayed in. Friend ended up having to use her company credit card, which had a high limit because it was such a pricey hotel. Uh, so Pepper's wife ended up in a Moroccan jail implies a similar kind of scheme went down just with more consequences. And again, the added romantic relationship level to it. I'm really interested to see where Pepper's story will go. I'm pretty sure that Anna Delvey is currently in jail, but she claims yeah. that while she did her scam for a uh, way into things, her intent for making a cool art space club were totally legit. Okay, oh. rant done. Great rant. That's, that's awesome. a great catch. Yeah, that. that's something I I remember that story, and it's that's so accurate. Yeah. So wow. good. That's Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Thank you, Sophie. That's fantastic. Yeah. Everybody else who doesn't watch Katie Keen, you can tune back in now. Uh, all right. Let's go over to the old question box here. The old um, question box. Uh, we got one from Casual Hand Up Guy. What are some non-horror related comics that scared you? When I was a kid, I read a Batman comic where a guy went around trying to kill people with a knife. It wasn't meant to be scary, and Batman dispatched him easily, but it still freaked me out to the point I stopped reading Batman for a while. Wow. Non-horror comic book that scared you. Sorry, Matt. That sounds dramatic. Yeah. Sorry, uh, interesting. That's a good question. The first thing that jumped in my head, and we've talked a lot about Batman, the animated series on this episode, but, uh, and the in Dick, a lot of episodes, the, um, the, the Dick, the way Dick Grayson's, uh, parents died, where it was just like a rope hanging in the air. And then another episode where, uh, Batgirl was fighting someone and they fell and there was just a rope hanging in the air and you uh, had to imagine them dying. That really got me when I was, uh, younger because I was like Jesus so much more horrifying when we have to think about it hmm um, I don't have an answer yet do you have anything anything well the thing mind? is it's, it's tough because like for my comics my mom would read them first before I got them so I never got anything scary when I was a kid it and she still does she still does right you're a piece of shit <laughs> she's um, got great t- huge Punisher fan <laughs> or maybe she uh, likes Cyclops and that's why you hate him Oh my god, you're an asshole. She she was looking images. She didn't like actually read the comic you asshole. Um, she, <laughs> I I bet she read some of them, Pete. Come on. I I don't think so, man. You know, I'm sure you as a parent can relate. You know, it's just like give me that, let me see if it's okay, here you go, type of situation. Yeah, I do that mostly um, with like pieces of bacon that my children are eating. 
Uh, this is also not a comic book thing. Uh, this is a pretty typical answer, but uh, Superman three end of Superman three with oh, the computer yeah. people. That is fucked Horrifying. up. When they pull that woman in. Whew. Oh, hate it. Still. That's why I don't it. trust computers. I don't. I don't ever use them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a question from YouTube. How many uh, Bandito Seven Forty says? How many different eras versions of has CBC had? I started at Newsarama. What was before? What was it like when you were involved with Nerdist? Oh my gosh! Ooh, so much history question. here. Wait. Uh, well, Bun, uh, tell me if I miss any. But we started off doing the show live at the People's Improv Theater. Did that yep. for a little while. Got no hired. Uh, no recordings, no podcasts or anything. Got hired to do a three times a week news show called Pulp Secret. No, we did something before that, I believe, where we um, were given someone bought couches for us, and then oh, that the, went no, away. they bought couches, but then we never did yes. anything. Yes, <laughs> they just bought us couches. That is correct. Yeah, that was during our Anna Delvey phase. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so we we did Pulp Secret for a little while. We did three news shows a week. Uh, that got shut down, but Pulp Secret was folded into a place called Next New Networks. I, I'm going to point out real quick that you guys got to work three days a week. I had to work five days a week. They asked us how many days we wanted to work. No, 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 you no. You said they, five. No, uh, he had said somebody's got to be here and run the fucking thing during the week to set things up, to make sure there were cameras, to make sure everything was ready to go. And I had to work there five days a week while you assholes Work three days a week. That is one hundred percent not true. It's also, a, you uh, ate roast that, beef sandwich every day and felt great. Wait, it what? was crazy when we would go into an office so many days of the week and all work together and make that show. So great, so fun. I would. I've kept doing that. Job. We did so much weird shit. Yeah, the yeah. pickle episode. Uh, if you can find favorite. the pickle episode online, it's <laughs> yes. very fun. Some of those are still online, and the, it was fun to shoot that because, like, it was very much beginning of internet video days. So we'd yeah. get there, write the show, go out on the street, shoot the show, come back. I think over lunch you would import the show, Pete, and then I would edit it after lunch. We'd aim to get them the episode so that they could post it by 2 p.m. every day. So like it was a very quick turnaround for what we were doing, uh, but it didn't end up quite working. They folded us into Next New Network, so we had turned it into a review show um, called... Now it was fun. We would go to that green room and Pulp like Secret. shoot stuff. Yeah, yeah Pulp Secret and the stack. Pulp Secret Report and the stack. And the stack. And the stack. Uh, it was eventually changed into the stack. Uh, they made a deal with Newsarama to syndicate stuff, which is when we ended up hosting stuff for Newsarama. Uh, and then that yeah, got shut down. Uh, not Newsarama, but Next New Networks stopped doing stuff. Uh, and then yep. we went by that point, I think we decided like, Hey, maybe we should try doing this whole podcast. I, I just wanted to, I just wanted yeah. to point out why you guys were in the sky box working at Newsarama. Oh I was my God. In the what fucking, is happening here? Pete? I was in the fucking, we've abused you for years. The people like, you know, doing a lot of fucking things in the street, you know, yes. while you guys were up in the sky. Pete box street beat. It was Pete doing, street beat. Yeah. Pete street beat and Pete street. And meat. they had, and Pete, they had those roast beef sandwiches down there on the con floor that you love so much. Oh man. You've just fallen in your stomach you just basically <laughs> smell something and you just follow your little nose down to the street exactly alex and i are the bourgeoisie and pete's the proletariat mm-hmm. thank you eduardo martinez that is how it always <laughs> pizza morlock working uh we're the eloy working above while pete is under the earth uh, making energy for us 
<laughs> yes, thanks, Pete. <laughs> With his roast beef sandwiches. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. I mean, the rest of it is just basically. Well, then we did the we did the Nerdist podcast. We did the Nerdist show, uh, video show, a season oh, of that. Right, which, yes. Those episodes are still online. Those are worth checking out. Those were fun and wild. Um, just for seeing how our booth man was uh, back yeah. then. He was a wild man. Um, and yeah, then that was, we, we got we got paid like for a little bit there. That was really sweet. And then Broadway Video kind of effed us. No, they didn't no, F they us. Didn't. Well, they, they did never give him a roast beef sandwich. Yeah, exactly. They F'd you, Pete, by let, having you on the equal footing. <laughs> that was like, pretty sweet, though, for our shows at Pianos, where we got to like throw out beers to the audience and stuff. That was a lot of fun. That was. A lot of people went to the hospital because we hit them right in the fucking face with a beer. Yeah. It was good. Exactly. We weren't allowed to do that. We shouldn't have been doing that. All T-shirt right. gun full of beer. <laughs> Let's do this thing. Joe Crack says, the star is my destination. Oh, here we go. Other stuff we'll get to in a moment. Uh, but let's do it. Let's do get this in for here. Kevin in the memory of Kevin because it's his birthday. Oh, geez. Yeah. That's not cool. R- R.I.P. Kevin. <laughs> no, oh, not cool. You bastard. No, Kevin's had that. Uh, that he had that. Uh, show <laughs> hey, hey, look at that. Uh, action uh, look at that. Yeah. Uh, hey. Nope. All right. Not wanting Joe to be Crack. overshadowed by Brett White. Joe I Crack. It last week when I lost. Uh, <laughs> I was like, hello. I have so many Starman figures. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right. To give this a little bit of setup, in case this is your first time watching the show or listening to the show, uh, we've had a secret Starman quiz for a while. We are on the last Batman. challenge here. We are one Star name Man. away. Justin, do you want to set it Ooh, up? Oh, it's got Punisher. Uh, yes. So the way this works, we've had many quizzes. The ultimate star man, of course, is the Punisher. Uh, we've had uh, several quizzes on this show. Oh, no. um, Come on, Joe Crack. I think Pete did one. I think Alex also did one. But this is yep. the one that we're doing right now. Um, and what it's happens the culmination. is the culmination. We've gone through 10 questions um, and we are at the 10th question. Uh, Joe Crack had a great run at it last week. And we'll see. Oh. I would think. Uh, where this is going to happen. <laughs> I can't believe you're going to do this on his birthday. <laughs> oh, man. Don't blame Joe Crack for that. He got yeah. Kevin he bowed out. We passed it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think. Uh, so, Last week, uh, what Wonder Wheel, was that a Ferris wheel reference? It was. I was like, Ferris. is that a Coney Island thing? I'm not it from is. New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. It was a, uh, I didn't know which one you wouldn't know. So I made that up on the spot. It's fair. Um, so um, I, I feel like you might not need a clue this time, but if you do need a clue, all you have to do is look Pete or Alex in the eyes and I insult, prop ready. Just the, insult the props Pete, ready. So. Insult their favorite character, Cypher or the Punisher. Yeah. Um, so question number 10, name all the star men slash star women. All right. So Victor Sono from Joan Hex time period. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did research. Ted Jonah Knight, Hex. Doris Lee, Ted Knight's girlfriend. Right. Uh, Bruce Wayne in pre-crisis, um, <laughs> Charles McNider, uh, Prince Gavin, Mikhail Tom- Tomas- Thomas, uh, Will Payton, David Knight, Jack Knight, Courtney Whitmore, and Ferris Knight. <laughs> yes. Wait, did you miss one perhaps uh, from the far future? That's Ferris Knight. Yes. And another one from the far future what? that you said last time? Oh, oh, right. Tom Keller. There he is. Got him on the wall. I knew you'd have it. <laughs> that is correct. Joe Crack, you he's literally behind me. Yeah. Quiz. Wow. He's over your shoulder like a little devil taunting you. 
Congratulations. Um, you've, uh, uh, do you have, uh, let me ask you before I send it your way, do you have the Starman Omnibus? I do not. Great. Well, that is, um, that is your prize. I'm going to throw in some wow. other stuff. I'm wow. going to draw you as a Starman, as your favorite Starman. I mean, I'm not an artist by any means, but I will do that. Um, what is your favorite Starman? Or woman? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I love Jack and Courtney equally. Nice. So. Good. Okay. Surprise me. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Um, excellent. Healer's uh, choice. Um, I will, uh, I'll email or I'll, I'll talk to you on the, on the Slack and get your address so I can send you everything, but thank okay. you so much for doing it. That was no awesome. Yay. Those questions were very hey, good. Not using the code. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so All much. Right. That's wow. Awesome. That's it. That is a wrap on the Starman quiz. Nice so job, Justin. Nice job. We go back to the Punisher quiz now, right, Pete? No, now we're done with quizzes. We do something <laughs> on like puzzles or um, mysteries. We all have mysteries we have to solve. Like the lights. Ah! Yeah, that's good. And someone's dead. No. There you go. Now I'm dead. Uh, all right. Let's uh, actually do the question here from Joe Crack. Why do you think so many people like to claim Batman isn't a hero, but not doing more for Gotham as a billionaire instead of fighting crime when the purpose of Batman is to punch criminals? Hmm. Wait, what was that? <laughs> uh, I think the idea is a lot of people are like, Batman's not a hero. He should be using his money to I help see. Gotham. But the point of Batman is to punch criminals. I, I mean, I think Batman would justify it by saying, "I my parents were killed by a, a person on the street, and if someone was there to intercede, that would have helped them. Um, so he was going to continue that fight for the rest of his life to make up for that one event. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. I mean, also, he does that every once in a while. There's always a plot library. like, I'm going to revitalize Gotham. And, of course, it never works because... That's never going to happen, but he does try. He does try. Uh, th- yeah, I think he also, they're doing a better job of him not beating up criminals as much as like he's going after the Joker or, you know what I mean? And not like going on the kind of streets and just beating up random dudes to get information. You know? uh, the follow up question is why do you think people always bring this up? I mean, I think that's that's a great point because bringing that up a lot is sort of undercutting the point of Batman. Like, we don't want we don't want to watch a comic about a rich person um, donating money. <laughs> um, so we read comics and watch all these movies because he fights crime, not because he's just a rich random guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is from uh, Mike Bedeke. Did anyone else have this thought this time last year that Tony? And his otherwise triumphant Snapchat accidentally took out Gamora, who Tony had no way of knowing was the one-time traveler on their side. Um, yes, definitely had that last year. I hesitate to take my brain back to the place of trying to figure out Avengers Endgame time travel stuff because that nearly broke me at a certain point. But mm-hmm. I think they did have an explanation for why Gamora made it out of there. Okay. But I don't remember what it was, to be honest. <laughs> well, it was a different Gamora, right? It was a different Gamora from a different time period. That's why she made right. it. Right. What he's saying is it was a, from the evil time period where she hadn't really learned her lesson yet. So why wouldn't Tony have just taken her out? But I think, like, Tony knew Gamora, so he would have kept her around. He didn't know she was the alternate Gamora. Yeah, the exactly. He one. didn't. He saw Gamora. He didn't. Yeah. 
Yeah, he wanted to see a little Gamora her, if you know what I mean. Oh my god! Great. Uh, yeah, Glad from Palmer there. Palmer Eldris over on YouTube on a scale of one to ten, how much do you miss each other? Oh. Yeah, well, I've said this a couple of episodes back. It's crazy in the in the last fourteen years. This is the longest I've gone without seeing these two in, yeah. in person and yeah. being able to really um, look like almost feel Pete's hand hit me on the shoulder every week. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't feel alive unless I'm threatening Justin's life. Like, you know, it's it and you can't do, do it over here. You yeah. can just send him a computer virus and that's pretty much it. It is weird. Pete has achieved essential worker status for threatening me, um, which is, a, <laughs> is sort of fucked up, but uh, yeah. it's a job. Someone's got to do it. Uh, from Eduardo Martinez, I've been on a bit of a fantasy creature kick lately, e.g. goblins, trolls, gnomes, etc. Any favorite comics that feature such creatures? Uh, I was just talking about this earlier. Um, Pip the Troll um, from uh, Warlock and the Infinity Watch. Great character. Great, uh, great comic. Sort of an underappreciated comic. It was after, um, I guess, was it after Infinity Gauntlet? I think maybe where they split all the gems up and Warlock and a, a hand-picked group, including Gamora, each got a gem. Drax as well and Pip the Troll, and they went and saw stopped galactic crimes. Great. Yeah, I mean the the Thor and Loki stuff kind of deals with. Um, Frost Giants and stuff like that a little bit, and that's been fun, and that kind of uh, kind of crosses that in a little in a little style. And the Punisher Kill Crew uh, kind of has that feel a little bit mm-hmm. as well, and that was a fun book. But for me, when I th- hear what you're saying a little bit, um, to me, like uh, uh, Gravel was great because he mm-hmm. was this big kind of lurky guy, uh, and that kind of was uh, really one of my or not, I'm sorry, Concrete, not Gravel. Gravel mm-hmm. was the magic book. Uh, but yeah, uh, Concrete was really great. He was a big lurky guy, and that's what I thought of. So that's what I'm saying. And this isn't exactly <laughs> goblins or trolls or anything, but Once in Future, which we've talked about a lot on the show, yeah. uh, which is coming out now from Boom Studios. That's another magic wizards type book about King Arthur coming back, but being evil and trying to take over all of England. Uh, and there are some creatures in that as well. It's super fun. Definitely remember that. This one is, I think specifically for me, and it's something that I meant to send an email about today and then life came up as it usually did. Uh, this is from comic book poser. When do I get my birth- birthday Patreon pod? I want a Pete rant. Um, my, uh, the alerts for everybody's birthday Patreon pods, which at a certain level on the Patreon, you get your own dedicated birth uh, Patreon podcast that's only for you, uh, didn't come up. So I'm sorry. So anybody who's at that level, I'm going to have to hit you up again to find out what your birthday is because I'm a terrible person. Uh, but we will we will get it to you. Don't you worry. Yes. Wow. Uh, but, wow. Zalbs, you jumped on that grenade. I was waiting for you to throw one of us under the bus on that, and that was it was impressive. I mean, yeah. it was Pete's sh- fault, but I, I took the ah. I took the hit for it. Shouldn't you be under the earth, uh, somehow mining people's birthdays and telling us uh, up here in our ivory towers? Yeah. I, if you're saying I'm one of the warlocks and I'm ugly, that hurts, man. Oh, I'm warlocks, sad. you're a. Yeah. You're the most beautiful Morlock. Yep. 
let's see. We just switched around for a second. Uh, Jason is in. Do you have a favorite oft used Claremont phrase? Uh, I think I said it earlier, but oh gosh, oh golly, oh wow, for some reason always stuck out to me. What about you guys? I mean, uh, <clears throat> is he credited with um, the best there is at what I do? From I Wolverine? Probably, um, right? I mean, the the funniest one is Psylocke's the sum totality of my uh, psychic powers. Psychic powers, yeah. 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 I knew yes. all that. Okay, thanks, Pete. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is from Edward Darty. Would Spider-Man's sense of responsibility mean he would stay home or fight crime during the lockdown? Ooh, uh, he 100% would be out there, which is pretty fucked up. But, like, that's a classic... This is going to sound horrible, but it's a classic Peter Parker thing to be like chills, fevery, completely sick, still swinging around the city and fighting crime no matter what. Uh, and that's, I think, what he would be doing right now. Plus, I mean, he wears he's a wearing, mask. I was going to say, he's wearing a mask and gloves. Yeah. Um, he's often distant from people. Yeah, would his spider sense uh, detect COVID, says Edward Doherty, and uh, I guess probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think so. We got to get ourselves a Spider-Man is what's going on here. Yeah, that's uh, this all we from, need. Yeah, and then we'd be fine. Oh, uh, this is from... Uh, this is, Oops. Oh, Shrusty, I accidentally clicked out of your question. I'm going to see if I... Here we go. Uh, what do you think of the old Jughead romance stories in the comics, e.g. the Jughead, Joni, Debbie, Love Triangle? Ooh. Um, I don't know who Debbie is. Because Jughead was always with fighting to get away from Ethel was his whole thing. Uh, I I like the more modern turn they made that Jughead is asexual. Uh, that yeah. plays nicely to me. And Archie Comics, the Archie Comics Twitter account has been doing an amazing job of putting up very ridiculous, very old Archie Comics um, over the past couple of weeks. And kind yeah. of making fun of them in a fun way. But there's a bunch of them where it is like romantic Jughead from the comics and it just does not work for me at all. Like there's something that feels off about it. And the asexual thing tracks a lot harder, at least for the comic book version. Yeah, I agree with you, though. There was uh, a story, a Jughead story that I always remember where it was we follow Jughead and there Archie's like, Hey, we're going to the beach. He's like, Oh, I'm gonna go do my own thing today. And you see him go and like uh donate a bunch of time uh to go to a hospital and entertain kids there. Like he has this whole secret jughead life um where he where that's in the other side of his personality. And I can imagine him having a romantic side that he just that just isn't a part of his life when he's with the rest of the gang. Yeah. Yes, Pete. I, I didn't read that shit, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, we got one last uh, one here on Crowdcast from Joe Crack. Uh, should people that live in New York and in Marvel care any more when there's a huge event like Inferno, Civil War, Frost Giants, Galactus, plus damage control is just going to clean everything up? Um, I feel like you would get sort of used to it, right? Like the same way that we get used to everything else and just sort of roll with it, personally? Yeah. Yeah, it's be like, oh, there's a uh, Galactus is on the Upper West Side. It's like, okay, well, I guess I'll um, I'll take the four home. <laughs> the, yeah. the two threes aren't going to be running because Galactus yeah, is stepped yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, take. The I four mean, home. they kind of you know with the police investigations stuff like that. You got to fucking be able to do shit like that anyway. So, yeah, 
Uh, and we got one last one. I can't tell if this is a question for us or just something that they're chatting about over on YouTube. Uh, CT Kook says, what's your favorite Nat Townsend moment ever? <laughs> well, we built him into some sort of celebrity. Is that I Nat would... Townsend? I feel like this is Nat Townsend over there. Uh, there's, there's a couple different uh, favorite Nat Townsend moments that I have. Um, but my, one of my favorites that was more recent was I was standing outside of a bar talking about Nat Townsend and we were talking about how funny he was and then he showed up. He literally appeared. It was unbelievable. Speak of the devil. He is magical in that way. Yeah. All right, and that is it for your audience questions. Yeah, yeah. Next up, it is time for trivia, and for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Pete LePage. If I'm sober enough for this. Um, Interesting. A lot of people in the comments. Someone, I'm trying to read who the name is. Someone says, wow, I'm drunk. Pete. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Edward You're just looking Doherty. at stuff. Edward Doherty. No, what about? Picked. Okay. I mean, that was the that was the first hand up guy, I guess. Yeah, you got to say hand up, go. otherwise it's you know I oh, don't know what you're well, saying. Well, he also said hand up, so there you go. Yeah. Uh, or you could invite Luana, who's in the other room. <laughs> I no. think Luana that, feels that, like that, she's that, yeah. That, that's not a good idea. She was ahead of that. Woman, I invited that Edward way too drunk so right now. Up oh, there he is. Hello. Hey, hey. Hey, welcome to the stream, Edward. Welcome to trivia. I'll let Pete take it away from here. All right, great. Uh, so, hello and welcome. I'll read you a question. Listen to all three possible answers. Get all three questions right. $25 will be yours in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics because you got to support comic book shops. And as is right. true every week, Pete is the star of trivia. And as always, he is sponsored by a big glass of Pinot Grigio. <laughs> you want to nail a trivia section, you got to drink a big old glass of Pinot Grigio. All right, cool. All right. Uh, so today's trivia is on topical comic news. Okay. Here we go. Question number one. I wish I had read these ahead of time. Okay. <laughs> you did you write them? I did, but usually I reread it to go over it again to make sure there isn't any issues before the show. I uh, completely forgot to do that. All right. Yeah. Who bought comics for fans who called in their orders at the LA's Collector's Paradise on May 2nd? Was it A, Mark Wade? B, Greg Pak, or was it C, Laura Flynn Boyle? So it's either uh, A, which makes a lot of sense, or you could pick B or C. I think I'm going to go with A. A is correct. Great choice. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, question number two. What is the name of the Kickstarter comic that is about chasing down Soviet werewolves? Is it A, hey, someone should really get kill those pesky werewolves, B, dodge with an exclamation point, or C, Kirkwood Smith? So it's either A, don't pick it, or it's B. I'm going to go with B. B is correct. Wow. Nice. Here we go. Last question. Don't get cocky. In the new Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent 
Kickstarter comic that is titled Cosmic Detective <laughs> yes. Who Is Found Dead. Is it A, God, B, J-Lo, or is it C, Ethan Hawke? So it's either A, God, is it or God? you could be is wrong. I'm going to go with that. Hey, nice. That is correct. $25 for you, sir. Excellent. Congratulations. Email us at comicbookclublive at gmail.com with your name and address and phone number, and we will get you a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics that you can use online so you don't have to go to the store or anything like that. Congratulations, Edward. Nice. Uh, Should we mention that uh, back at the beginning of trivia, uh, everybody called Pete's answers. Yeah, Pete, someone's picking your pocket. Everyone knows your um, your quiz show pattern. What do you mean? Um, uh, it was called uh, that you were going to go a casual hand up guy called it a question number one a question two b question three a yeah, called it that's, now that's uh, I'm a hot dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. What's Trump going on? as a hot dog just made a cameo. That's oh, what's going on. That oh, feels like man. that feels like cosplay. That feels like yeah, what, that's, what's, uh, happening? <laughs> what's happening yeah, after the podcast? We, we're drinking a lot of wine over here. <laughs> I don't know. It's the you. old uh, hot dog seller hot dog game. Is that yeah. what's going on? Uh, what are you? you know what's funny? What do you dress as? Just a hungry yeah. carnivore? Oh, work with everything. Uh, I'm the fries. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. But seriously, though, I've been doing this trivia for 14 years, and it is literally almost always, except if it was like the special thing, ABA every time. And that's the first time someone's ever called that up. Amazing. Wow. I have no idea. Now, uh, you also have a secret Robert Williams movie in your third answers. Who are the actors yeah. again, Pete? Uh, it's Laura Flynn Boyle. Kirkwood Smith. Yep. And Ethan Hawke. Kirkwood Smith, you know, mm. famous for saying dumbass. Um, what, uh, gosh. RV? Is it RV? No, no. People called no. it earlier. It's Dead yeah. Poets Society. It's Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society. Okay, there we go. Robocop, everybody's saying. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, all right. Great trivia, everybody. Uh, folks. I think that's it for our show. I think we're going to start wrapping up here. What do you <laughs> no, think we got that? we got some no, more we got more to tank. talk about, buddy. What are you talking about? Come on, uh, it's only well, an hour forty minutes. Let's go another twenty. Let's do it. Oh my god, let's do it. A couple of things plugged before we go. Next week on the show, we have two more great guests for you guys. Uh, we have Gene Luen Yang, the writer of Superman Smashes the Clan. Yes. DC Comics is going to be here. Very excited to talk about that. That book is amazing. Also, Joshua Yell, a senior editor at IGN, is going to be here for our latest throwback stack. Uh, so that should be fun. Uh, he's a great guy. Support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we have a bunch more podcasts, Riverdale After Dark. Our Riverdale podcast is wrapping up this week. Katie Keencast, oh, our man. Katie Keen podcast is wrapping up pretty soon too but we're just getting started on star guys our star girl podcast so check that out this podcast you can subscribe and listen to on itunes android spotify stitcher or 
the app of your choice, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And also one last thing about the Riverdale podcast. We're actually going live for that Wednesday night yeah. at 9.15 p.m. right after the finale. So if you like watching this show live, come hang out with us there. That will be a very fun show. You should definitely come to that. Yes, definitely uh, watch that out there. And uh, one other thing, people are asking what the stack, the what we're talking about in the stack tomorrow. We've been right. talking about Charles Burns' Black Hole. So please come check that out. Which Salbin likes because it's weirdly sexual. All right, I love it. All podcast. You can see my uh, Stormtrooper. Stormtrooper helmet over there. Yeah. You should give us a tutorial on that. <laughs> <laughs>